0: that was great i want you to go to matthew chapter 28 verse 18 uh we're in the commands of of christ and uh, we're going to address that this morning i think probably this is maybe about the 27th command that we uh we have dealt with is somewhere in there i've kind of lost count of them myself here but um we're going to read this uh, little first little portion that we've been reading and read uh, time and time again, but we're going to go back over it again. But Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world amen father I ask you to bless here this morning Holy Spirit of God I need your strength I need your guidance Lord I need your your power so Spirit of God I yield myself to thee and ask you to fill me to anoint me to clear my mind of everything else that's been going on in my mind. And Lord, I ask you right now that you'd wrap your arms around our church and our people and those that are away from us, Lord, please protect them. God, keep us in your mighty hedge of protection. And Father, I come to you in the name of your son Jesus and ask you to turn back every evil that would try to discourage us, to try to uh, uh, steal away the truth that might change us lord we need you we praise you and we yield to thee in jesus name amen it has been a very enjoyable thing for me i'm not i'm not sure for you but I, it has been for me to go through these commands of christ it's been ex- it, it really been exciting Uh, to to look at it and and uh, the Lord just uh, as I I said you know one night I was out praying and 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 just felt very impressed that I was supposed to uh, to do this and wasn't sure where it would go wasn't sure really what it even was I just thought you know what Uh, I want to find out the commands that Jesus gave to us and it has been amazing to me as I as I said uh, so many times, I believe that what we we're, we're finding as we go through this is probably the greatest discipleship program that you could possibly have, because Jesus was discipling his men and his women. He was teaching them along the way, and so uh, and and that's what he says here. He, now, of course. He, he makes one, his final command in reality, go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The very simple reason why we still go out and go soul winning. The reason we go out and knock on doors. The reason we go out and try to talk to people. Uh, is because people say, uh, and I've heard this and and heard it and heard it, but, you know, that it really doesn't get results like it it used to, and people don't let you in, and people don't talk to you. Like, well, can I tell you, it doesn't say go do it if you get results. It says go do it. And so uh, the truth is, I think we're just supposed to follow the command like all these other commands we're talking about. But the wonderful thing is that he said, all power is given unto me, and he's with us, as it says, and I'm with you always. And so, uh, and, and in there, and then he's going to also, he says, I want you uh, to, uh, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptized in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And that means, uh, <clears throat> yes, he gave these things. Uh, he commanded these final things. But he uh, He said, all things I've commanded you. So that goes into everything he commanded. And, and, of course, primarily these commands are coming out of the book of Matthew. And we're taking them in order in the book of Matthew. And uh, and we're honestly watching them build upon each other. And so that's kind of what we're going to do uh, this morning you see the previous command that we just got through studying was was this one: Take heed that you despise not one of the little ones uh, one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven, and so uh, this previous command was a warning about hurting the young or the young in christ and and, and it was very clear, and, and God's making it very clear that we need to be very careful that we don't hurt. Uh, younger people, uh, young uh, yeah, the young ones, of course, uh, but also the young in Christ, and and we went all through how uh, you know, the, the the verbiage and things in here and how we get that, but but effectively, uh, what he was teaching here was it was how to the treatment of a weaker or a younger brother, and so uh, now God in the last several commands had been bringing his followers to a commitment. And, and he's doing this through, he's teaching them about treatment of others right now. And, uh, but but I, I see it, the more committed to the, and I'm going to make several statements, I think are very important as we go through these commands. But the more committed to the cause, the cause of Christ, the stronger they would be for the cause of Christ. You see, the more committed they were to the cause, then the stronger they would be for the cause. And so the greater their belief in the Word of God and the commands of God, the greater would be their convictions concerning the truth. You know, if you really believe the book, then all of a sudden you believe what's written in the book. Uh, You you start to say, you know, this is an absolute. This is what God said. These are commands Jesus gave. And so they become extremely important. When they're not important to us, we probably don't believe very strongly. And so the greater the convictions would be according to the greater belief. But the greater their convictions, the greater their commitment to the truth. And, And I want you to understand, the more you really sincere believe and say, you know what, this is an absolute to me, At that point, you're going to become more committed to do it. You're going to become more committed to it. And then the greater their willingness uh, to commit to the truth, the greater their commitment to the truth and the cause of Christ, the greater their willingness to sacrifice for the truth. You see... Uh, and I mentioned this the last time, but I, I feel like we're seeing less and less of our, our young people, or even, you know, when I when I got uh, saved and, and got called into the ministry, I was almost 27, went to Bible college, almost 27 years of age. Uh, you know, there there was a, a, a time where uh, people were saying, I, I will sacrifice. We walked away from our home. We walked away from a, a career. We walked away from everything, and we were going to, forgive me in this terminology, we were going to nothing. We didn't have a job. We didn't have a house. We didn't have a place. We didn't, we didn't have anything. We just left by faith. You know, that was a form of sacrifice. But you know, the greater your, your commitment, the greater your sacrifice. If the belief is shallow in the truth of the word, then, the con, then conviction will be little. Therefore, commitment will be negligible and sacrifice will be non-existent if you are strong in belief conviction and commitment and sacrifice Uh, here's the key, and this is part of what Jesus is teaching here also. He said, now, on one side of it, if you're not strong, then you're not going to, you know, eventually not going to sacrifice much for Christ. He said, but on the other side of it, if your belief, your commitment, and your sacrifice is strong, don't become impatient or critical of those who are not as strong. Some who are, in fact, weak because they're babes in Christ. God, you know, in these commands, and these last few that we've been studying, that's a lot of what he's trying to say. He's saying, look, uh, you you be very careful with those young in Christ you be very careful and don't hurt them and don't hurt them by your bad testimony don't hurt them by bad influence but also don't hurt them because you are critical of them because they're not where you think they ought to be this makes sense to everybody now he warns us also to make sure that we are true to the word of God and not leading the weaker astray from the God's truth. Now, all of that's a little bit, you know, kind of background, and we're going to go. Now it leads us to the next command, the next verse, which also deals with relationships. So the next command uh, here, uh, the implication is that this. Uh, You know, what we've been studying is kind of like the brother is younger and weaker. Now, this command really doesn't say that that what's going to take place is by a younger weaker. Uh, It may be somebody you feel that ought to be more spiritually mature, maybe, than they even are. But the next command here, if you want to go to Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. It says this it says moreover thy brother if thy brother shall trespass against thee go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone if he shall hear thee thou hast gained thy brother but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, That is, in the, uh, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if ye neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if ye neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Now, this, there's so honestly, there's so much in, in this command, in this passage right here, it's amazing. But in this verse, offense is an act that has been committed against you, not necessarily, no, listen to this, it's, a, it's an offense, it's an act that has been committed against you, but it doesn't mean that you necessarily have been offended by it. Do you understand? Uh, You see, the reason I'm saying this is because the stronger Christians should understand Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And so God's not saying you are offended. He's saying an offense has been committed against you. Does that make sense to everybody? Just grunt every once in a while and tell me. And so uh, trespass is a violation of another's rights. Or in this case, it's a violation of your rights. It could be a moral offense. Uh, this situation, I believe, seems to be an offense that violated one of God's laws. Now, I believe in the description of how to handle this. I believe it's, it's, more, uh, you know, it's more of a violation of one of God's laws. By that, I mean maybe you've been lied to. Maybe you were tricked uh, some, uh, out of something. Maybe there was a shady business deal. Not something unlegal, illegal, but just unethical. It does not seem to be, uh, in me, to me, this passage, uh, what's talking about a verbal offense, as we sometimes think we're offended, you know, because they said something mean to me. I don't think that's what it's talking about at all. It seems to be much more serious for the way he describes handling that This can all end up in front of the whole church. And so I, I really, you know, we would be standing up here in front of the whole church every Sunday and about five times, you know, a, a day through Sunday if we said, you know, somebody said something that hurt my feelings. Because we do that all the time, even unintentionally. Okay? And if you don't understand that, you, you're not married. And so, but you, you do that. It just, it, it, it happens. You say things that you're not really meaning to offend, uh, but she's going to remind you that you did. And so, uh, you know, by saying something like, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. No man's ever heard that before. You are amazing people. But the uh, now, this is a relationship commandment for Christians. This this command is about relationships and that's really what God's been dealing with. All these commands have been built on. He said now, it's a relationship, don't you hurt the weaker brother. He said now now here's a relationship command that he's going he's telling us and honestly it's really it's pretty unique in the way he's he's delivering it and what he's asking us to do. But this relationship command, God makes it clear that these types of offenses could and should initially be dealt with privately. And so he's making this real clear. He's saying, you know, if, if somebody has a, a trespass against you, he said, then you go to him. You go to your brother and make it right. And so he's, he didn't say go broadcast it to the church or anybody else. He said, go to them and make it right. Now, he said, if it works out and they agree uh, they have erred or at least agree that you feel they did, they are willing to make it and are willing to make it right, then you have won a friend. And I believe part of the reason you've won a friend is because you didn't broadcast it, because you came to them and because you talked it out. Amen. And so now, of course, the Lord makes it clear that if, if they will not accept what you bring to them, you, you then take it quietly to one or two more. Who, who i believe you can trust they won't broadcast it either but it these two have to be truthful people and by that i mean i i think it's very important that when you take two more or more you know people with you that you're taking unbiased people you're not you're not stacking the deck against somebody you're taking some people with you that says, you know what, uh, you, you know I've explained the situation, uh, and you, they may say, you know, I don't agree with you. Well, okay, fine, but, but I want you to go with me because I still believe this is something. I think they've done something against me. I think there's an offense here. So uh, I believe this should be unbiased. Now, the scripture says this, it says, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more Then, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now in this part, two or three witnesses, I think this also is very important because I believe that makes it clear that we have a situation where you are going to confront someone that does not agree that they have wronged you. You see, the reason you need people to go with you, you've gone to them, and and when you went to them, it didn't work out. You feel like they beat you out of something. You feel like they didn't tell you the truth. You feel like they did something uh, that, uh, you know, a trespass against you obviously they don't feel that way or they're not willing to make it right so we're we're at a potential conflict right here and now it's very important we follow God's procedure and we take some witnesses with us because this is probably not going to turn out good the second time but at least you have people that can testify that you handled it God's way See, uh, folks, I know this is not real, you know, uh, real inspirational, but you know Jesus is teaching this for a reason. He gives us this as a command for a reason, and and truthfully, if we would follow His procedure, we wouldn't have these ongoing conflicts and bitterness. We could get them settled, get them open, get them aired, get them done. Now. He makes it clear that we have a situation where you're going to confront someone that does not agree that they have wronged you or at least unwilling to make it right. This person could easily become argumentative. And therefore a conflict could occur and this is why we need to have these Additional people. But finally, if this person will not make it right the situation, it is to go to before the church. Now, this again seems uh, sure seems to be something more serious than someone said something I did not like. Uh, as and that's often the way we feel like you know we've been trespassed against where we've been offended, uh, especially since it says if he neglect to hear the church. Now, watch this. This is this means it must be some kind of serious offense. Because it says, if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Now, I want you to understand that I believe that this is probably uh, hinging most, most often on some sort of financial issue. I think, and honestly, finances are what we usually get upset the most about. Uh, you know, we sold a car or we bought a car, you know, uh, from somebody that told us it was all good. And, and when we got it, you know, it blew up, you know, two days after we got it. Uh, that's why I would uh, back at uh, I've had so many cars given to me and I've given away so many cars. And I give them away because I don't want somebody to ever look back at me and say I took their money, you know, because they drive, I don't know if it's going to last out of the driveway. And so uh, it's so very important. But you say, why do you think his finances? Because the heathen would be a non-believer, but a publican, when he said, "Let him be as a, uh, uh, unto thee as a heathen man," and a and a publican. Well, the publican was a tax collector, most often a tax collector, and these were often people who took portions they were not to take. They took money from the people unjustly. The tax collectors were a class detested not only by the Jews, but by the other nations also, both on account of their employment, what they were doing, just taking money from them, but also because of their harshness, their greed, their deception. Uh, which they, they perpetrated in their job. And so and the Lord's saying, let him be like one of those, somebody, a publican that comes and steals your money. Now, to me, that's a unique statement because I think he's making clear that probably the offense, the trespass that we're really talking about here is somehow dealing with finances. And, and honestly, again, we, that's one of the things we're going to get more upset about than anything else. Folks, that, that's why folks, I learned an old truth a long time ago. Look, if you're going to loan, loan somebody money, only loan it if you can lose it, and you can look at it as though it's not a loan, it's a gift. You see, if you, you don't really loan it. You give it to them, and if they ever decide to give you a gift back, then that's that's wonderful. But if they never do then you've got to look at it that way because if you loan it to them and you're expecting it to be paid back, you're going to get disappointed. That's right. That's right. You're going to get disappointed. Now, uh, this brings us back to the thought that this was probably an issue of possession of money, possibly the sale of an animal that was not in good health or, or what it should be back in this time period, maybe goods that did not weigh what they should have weighed, you know, and they, they did that sometimes often. Uh, just what I was reading through this and and or studying this, uh, I, I, what came in my mind was me and my with my dad so many times, and he's been a lot on my heart and mind here recently. Just because you know, last week was the uh, <clears throat> or the, the the this past week was the anniversary of his home going first year. You know, uh, a year ago, July the eleventh, he went to heaven, and and uh, I drove drove back from the same camp on the same day. Uh, July 11th and made that same exact trip back and it was all a, a lot of emotions but as I was studying this I, I was remembering being a kid and going to a, a, a sale or going to someplace to to go buy horses and dad would buy horses and cows and he was always buying selling and trading but almost always especially at the sale barn we would go there and uh, there would be your horses coming through and 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 people would and the the seller would say you know that the horse is six years old or it's seven years old and dad would walk down there to it and he would say son uh that man's about ready to buy that horse and you i know him and i'm gonna go down there and and i say why dad he said because that the, the he's about to buy something that's not right and he would go down there and my dad would grab that old horse by his mouth and he'd pull up his lips and he would look at those teeth and then he would drop them back down, he would turn to the, his friend, and say, D- don't bet on that. Don't buy it. And I'd look at Dad, and I'd say, why, Dad? And he said, because the man's a liar. Okay. And I'd say, why he say he's a liar? He said, well, he's selling his horses six, seven, eight years old, and he said that horse is 15, 16, maybe 18 years old. I said, how can you tell that?" I mean, because he smiled at you. (laughs) And he said, son, you can tell by his teeth. I said, really? Yeah, he said, you can tell by his teeth how wore down they are. But you know, the moment dad would have some interaction like that with a horse trader, that man dad would never buy from. He would never do dealings with him. Because he didn't trust him. Now, this command is to Christians to have procedures to protect their testimony and for Christians to care more about God's procedures than their immediate reward. Finally, we must go back to the definition of trespass, which will further help help us to understand that this procedure was not and is not for the verbal offenses by which so many are offended. The definition of trespass is a violation of my rights. That's one of the definitions, a violation of my rights. Well, I want you to understand, folks, that truthfully, we don't have rights. That's what meekness is. Meekness, when God commands us to have meekness, we, we only fail to have meekness when we feel like our, vi- our rights have been violated. God says, when we, do, when we realize we don't have rights, we just, God has rights, uh, that we really just have the will of God. He said, then we, then we can truly then have meekness in our life. And so, in Proverbs, we see the result of offending man when the Holy Spirit was not present in him. You know, we already read this, but in Proverbs 18, 19, it says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contingents are like the bars of a castle. You see, God says in Proverbs that, that a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And I want you to get this. If, 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 uh, if Brother Hopper, and I feel like Brother Hopper has offended me, now a brother offended, if he wants to try to win me back, now it says that it, without the Spirit of God, without the guidance of God, the truth is the Scripture says that I'm going to be really, really hard to win. He says this. This is like like trying to go win a city, like trying to take a castle. He said. He said that person, a brother offended, is harder to be won than a strong city. Now, now. God's saying that when we live in our flesh, we offend somebody. you got to understand, you probably will never win their friendship back. And truthfully, Dad's response to those men when somebody tried to sell him something that wasn't what it was, Dad's response to him was flesh with flesh. And it says, you offend me because you're trying to cheat me. Well, guess what? You will never win me back. And that's what God, God says happens with humanity. Now, Jesus had a different plan for the born-again, spirit-filled Christian. That plan was the complete opposite of a response of the man without the Spirit of God. The man without the Spirit of God, the Scripture says, he's going to be really hard to win. The truth is, you probably never will. But God says, this is such a unique thing. God says, listen, that's not even what I'm asking of you. I'm not asking you to forgive the man who's offended you. He said, I'm asking you to go to that man... And make it right. Amen. right. The lost man says, you come and try to make it right with me. I'm not going to have it. The natural man says, I won't want it. The, the fleshly man, even the Christian carnal man says, I, don't, I, don't, I won't receive it. But God says, you got it all wrong. You who have been offended need to go to him. Two key questions we' ask ourselves: Have we been offended? And if so, are we trying to make it right, or are we wallowing in the offense? Are we refusing reconciliation? If we are, we're acting like the natural man. Does this make sense to anybody? And I know you say that well, they, they've not tried to reconcile, but that's not the command. It's not a command that the person who offended me should come and try to reconcile with me. That's not what it says. It says that I am to, to initiate the reconciliation. Amen. This goes against everything we have that's it, it, in us. Are you crazy? He offended me. He needs to come to me. He was the one wrong, not me. Do you know, folks, this would help marriages. For a long time in our, in our marriage, things, I, you know, I've told men to look, learn as best we can, learn to say you're sorry. Well, what if I'm not wrong? I don't, no, you're sorry that we have a conflict. You're sorry that, we're, that there's an issue going on. Are you refusing reconciliation because you've refused to reconcile? He says, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. You see, we wait, we demand that they come to us for they were the offender. God says those without the Spirit of God are harder to be won than a strong city. We fight an uphill battle when the offender comes to the offended where the Spirit of God is not present. So if the offender comes to the offended and tries to make it right, if the Spirit of God is not present, God says it really almost never works. But where the Spirit of God is present, the offended is commanded to go to the offender. It's it's an amazing thing. This is very similar to to the strengthening of the command, like uh, as Jesus, you know, the Ten Commandments, that we're not to commit adultery, but Jesus said, you know, it goes much further than that. If you even think about it in your mind, then you commit it in your heart. Now that's kind of where we are with this. It's simply not normal for the offended to go to the offender to get the relationship right, but this is the Jesus way. The Old Testament tells us that even the Christian of the, you know, the the the, the man of God in the Old Testament, he didn't have the Holy Spirit with him all the time. He would come to him and go. But now we have the Holy Spirit in us all the time. If you're saved, amen. If you're saved you, he is in us that's who enables us to do what is not natural to us the first question right now is not who has offended you but rather who have you offended the second question is if you have been offended are you willing to go to that person to attempt to make it right you see it's such a perfect example. We offended Christ, yet he came to us and presented our offense that we might understand that we had offended him, and this was so that our offense might be forgiven. You know, the truth is, folks, there's a lot more to this when we realize. You know, that we think, okay, I go to him and I say, okay, you have offended me. You think, well, that's ridiculous. He already knows he did. Not always. You know, I've told you this before, but, you know, when I was, when I was told by my old preacher that uh, every man lives by his own set of ethics, that was hard for me to swallow. And, and as time went on, I realized, you know, people see right and wrong, black and white. They see it differently. They just do. They see it differently. And and he may not feel like that he has done anything wrong. You know, and and, and so we either live in this this building bitterness, building anger, building frustration, or somebody's got to be a Christian and say, you know what, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about this. And he, you know what might happen? He might look and say, brother, I didn't see it that way, and I'm sorry that you did, but I'm glad you came and talked to me about it. Now, I'm almost done here, but... Then came, it, it, amazing, we're going to join these, these, uh, the next command. Uh, it's almost humorous, but after this command, for the offended to go to the offender, then Peter comes to Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 22. And this is, it, it really is, it's so unique because this is so human. So Jesus has just got through saying Look, if you've been offended, then you, as the the, the one who's been offended, go to the one who has offended you, and you initiate making this right. Now... You have to understand, in there, there's, a, there's an implication of, of forgiveness. There's a, there's a, this is a spiritual state. The truth is, this is going and saying, I am willing to obey God, and I am willing to go to them, and I need to be going with a spirit of forgiveness when I go. Now look at Peter. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21-22. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, How often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Now, this is our evidence that in this going to him, there must be forgiveness involved in this. But Peter is saying, wait a minute now. If you're telling me that I'm supposed to go to him with forgiveness in my heart, and I'm supposed to go to him to initiate reconciliation, wait a minute, time out. How many times I got to do that? How many times do I have to let this dude offend me and hurt me and beat me out of something? How many times do I have to do this? Now, look what he says. And he says, till seven times. And now, that was extreme for Peter. Peter's saying, look, Lord, if I got to do it seven times, I mean, I mean that's, that's a lot, Lord. I got to do that seven times? And look at the answer from the Lord. And Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. You know what that is? That's that's perfection multiplied. And he's saying absolutely every time, go again. Now, does this sound like something we really want to do? This is contrary to everything that's in us. This is just us. Jesus said, Go get it right with the one who one who offended you. And watch this. And we should be smart enough to understand that in that we must forgive them. But he also, in the command, I want you to understand, I think he's making sure that Peter understands that when he made this command, he didn't say how many times to do it. Initially, he didn't say, go do this. And it wasn't one time or ten times or a thousand times, he said, when you've been offended, you go to them. doesn't matter how many times. Nevertheless, it says, Jesus has to make sure that we understand that we must go to them and forgive them as many times as they offend us. And so he says to Peter, Peter, you didn't get it. Because in that command, I didn't put any qualifiers in there. I didn't say how many times, which means it's unlimited. But now, let me make it clear to you, 70 times 7. And you know what that means, Peter. Now, here's the problem, folks. Here's us. Most of us live by the human philosophy, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, No, wait a minute. Yeah, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Which means, okay, you fooled me once, and you hurt me, but if I let you do it again, then it's my fault. In a sense that, again, that attitude of my dad that said, you tried to cheat me, I will never deal with you again. Now, what What was he supposed to have done at that time? Now, we didn't understand it. None of us in church, we didn't understand it. We didn't understand the scripture. But dad should have gone to that man and said, Sir, uh, that horse is twice as old as you say it is. Now, that man could have denied it. He could have looked at him in sincerity and said, Bobby... It was sold to me as being this age, and I'm not as good at you looking at teeth. That's the best. They might have worked it out instead of being a separation for life. That's why God says, we don't let this lie. We got to get it dealt with. True forgiveness has an element of forgetfulness in it you see we, we so often and, and I'm about done with this but if we so often we have this kinda of attitude if I've been burned then I'm not gonna let you burn me again and if you've been burned you should learn not to stick your hand in the fire but watch this I may learn from a situation, and I may be careful about a situation, but that should not make me refuse to ever build another fire. It should not make me come to the point that I write for the hopper off forever. As a Christian, we need to talk about it, and you know what I need to do? At some point, maybe a little bit more carefully, We need to work together again. We don't just shut it down. And folks, I've seen this in families. I've seen this in churches. I've seen it where people will quote, well, I'm being a Christian to them because I'm not cussing them out. But I won't have anything to do with them. But clearly, I believe the Lord is saying, that's not what I want from you. So much so that I'm not, I don't think you need, you feel like you've been offended, don't wait on them to come make it right. You go to them. You go to them and you talk it out. And the truth is, if it's been something immoral, illegal, that has taken place, Right, and you don't you don't get this worked out like it should. Then go back, take two more people with you, and talk to them. Okay, guess what? If that won't work, and it's some something, and and watch this, and you may understand this. You, you, what we think is, well, okay, if you're really going to be a Christian, we'll just drop it. No, if it's something that truly is, where he is doing something evil, he's doing something crooked, he's doing something harmful. If he did it to me, and he won't make it right, and he won't make it right when men come in, you know why you bring it to the church? Because if it's not dealt with, someone else may get hurt. It's really not a deliverance or, or a deliverance of him. It's, it's a protection of them. And God says, that's got to be a pretty severe situation. Because when you get to that point, you're going to have to look at that person who is that belligerent and that attitude as a, as a lost man. As a publican who has come in to your midst to steal. Now that's an extreme situation. Incredibly extreme situation. But I say this, I would rather be involved with people and love people and trust people and get burned. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to follow God's procedure in that situation, but that's not going to keep me from ever getting involved with somebody again. Trying to help somebody again. Trying to meet a need again. In other words, that's not going to keep me from ever having another fire. And can I tell you, by having another fire means I might get burned again. But I'm still going to have another fire. I'm, I'm going to interact with people. I'm going to... I'm going to... You know, I've, I've, so many times, I've, people have said to me, Can I borrow this? And can I tell you, it won't do you a bit of good right now because I don't have any money. But but so many times if I have it, I give it. And I'm going to just tell you, there's been a bunch of times that I've never seen it again. I had had a, a fellow, my wife will know, and she's the only one to know, but I was having him do some work at, at my house back in indiana and put some install some things and and in order to get them made i had to give them twelve hundred dollars to get them made the only problem is they never came to my house that's 20 years ago you know i've never seen that twelve hundred dollars but i saw that man many times And I talked to him, and uh, really, I only talked to him once about whether we were going to get him installed or not. I talked to him. And after that, I just treated him like a friend. Because I looked at, he wasn't even a loan, although in some sense it was. But I knew when I gave him the money without the merchandise being present, this was a possibility but he couldn't do it because he didn't have the finances he couldn't do it himself he couldn't go buy it himself and i knew he didn't have the finances to do it so i gave him that money you know the truth is that money is not going to keep me being, from being his friend but also truthfully i look at a passage like this and i think one great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them so even even a trespass against me if I walk spiritually it still shouldn't offend me so I really shouldn't have anything to even get right but since he has trespassed against me since he has my money that he's not produced the product for then I talk to him about it now the truth is if it was really important to me or I felt like it was going to hurt anybody else, I would—I I should have gone with two or three. But it, it wasn't. It wasn't an issue to me. I don't know if any of this, this is the most unique Sunday morning service, but that's okay because we have visitors here. They're not coming back. And It's not normally what I preach or how I preach, but but I've been trying to follow these commands in the order that God has given, and therefore if God led me to do it, I believe this is a truth that we need to address in our own lives because we need to really face it. The fact is, is we hardly ever handle situations this way, which is God's way. We hardly ever do. We handle them by counsel. We handle them by law. We handle them by legal procedure. We handle them by the police. We handle them by anger, by bitterness, by threats. We handle them by just saying, okay, I don't care. i write that person off. We, know, we really, this is not a norm. This is not the way we handle it. And I don't know who in here has had to deal with this, but I think probably everybody in here has had to deal with this in some way, shape, form, or fashion because I don't think I'm the only guy this happened to. It's like, uh, you know, I, I, I made one of these, these wonderful decisions. It was, we lived in Maryville, Indiana. It was bitter cold, and, and I had little bitty girls, and I had these metal windows in my house, and I had about that much ice on the inside of the windows, and I'm thinking I got to do something because my kids got the flu they got you know they got colds and constantly their little rooms are freezing I got to do something about this and about the time I was thinking that a guy knocked on my door opened the door and he said you know what I'm putting new windows in another house and we remade too many the exact size you have and I said wow that's great Uh, Mr. Gullible and so uh, I invited him in and he came in and he he said we can have these in tomorrow and I thought you know what Uh, there's just one question I want to go ahead and do it my kids I want to get these windows in and he said "Uh, we can do it you know here's the interest rate and I said man that's a high interest rate can I go at you go ahead and get them done and then I'm gonna go get a loan to pay off this to get that interest rate down and he said, sure. And I said, so there's no penalties, there's no anything that, yeah, yeah, sure. And, and, and it's all great, it's all wonderful. You can pay it off to, you know, the day after, and it won't cost you anything more than, you know, just the, the amount and all this. And, and so I trusted him, and I, you know, I signed the papers. Next day, they came and put it in. A Couple of days later, I went to do it, and what I found out, and maybe nobody here's ever heard of it, and I hope you haven't, is a rule of 78's loan. Now, I don't know what that means except this. The moment you take out the loan, there's no penalty. You just have to pay the, 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 all the interest of the life of the loan, regardless of when you pay it off. Which meant I had to pay more than double the amount of the windows. No, there was no penalty. I just had to pay if I paid it off the day after we bought them, I still had to pay double. I ended up paying $9,000 to put windows in my little bitty house. Now, according to this, I was supposed to find that man and tell him that I feel like he trespassed against me. And you say, no, no. You're supposed to find that man and beat the fool out of him. No, I'm supposed to find him. And you say, now what good would I have done? Can I tell you something? It would have done me good for the last 20 years. If I could have sat down with him for the last 20 years, it would have done me good. Because I wouldn't have had the feelings in my heart for the last 20 years that I've had. If I'd followed God's procedure. I really didn't mean to take as long as I did. God bless y'all. Thank you for bearing with me. Father, I pray that you'd bless our service this morning. Lord, I thank you for your love and your goodness. And I thank you for your plan and your commands. And Lord, I pray that this morning, I, I don't know who this might have touched or helped. But, Lord, I know even as I studied through it, I realized so many times in so many ways I should have handled things differently. So, Lord, I pray, please, that you'd bless this short invitation. I pray that if somebody's heart has been touched, that maybe they could begin that by just saying, Lord, I will go to that person. I know I need to. So, Father, I'm making a commitment to do it. I pray that you do that. And, Lord, I thank you for those who have come to visit with us, some that have come, that are moving into our area. Lord, I pray that we might be a help and a blessing to them. But Lord, that maybe this truth would be a help and a blessing to them also. There's no accidents with you, and we're here for a reason. So, Lord, please bless our little short invitation, please. I'd like for everybody to stand. This is kind of our procedure. I know this morning's message didn't